Welcome to the At His Feet Studies podcast. I'm Chris Gordon here with Hope Layton. We together make up At His Feet Studies, and this season we are doing a podcast on the Book of Lamentations. We would love for you to follow along with us. You can do that one or two ways. You can either just read along in your Bible, the Book of Lamentations, or we have a study on it if you would like to follow along in that, because we'll be referencing that. Either way, we're so glad you're here. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the At His Feet virtual teaching series and podcast for the Book of Lamentations. We hope you've been studying along with us through this book. And you know, one of the things we have not talked about yet that can be a real help when you're trying to understand Lamentations is to read it out loud. Right. It's easy to forget Mm -hmm. that this is actually poetry. And remember that we mentioned all the way back in the intro that many Jews still do that. They still recite Lamentations once per year on a certain day. This book is a group of poems, most of them acrostic. And when I did this study with a group of women at my church, we read the portion we were about to study out loud just to help us get the poetry back into our minds. And that might be helpful to your group or even individually, you could read it out loud while you study it. Right, which is totally a great reminder. So, okay, let's do a little review for a minute. Remember that the man has been talking in the first half of chapter three, including calling to mind God's steadfast love and how we're there for, therefore we have hope, you know, and we get these beautiful, hopeful verses in 31 for the Lord has not cast off forever, but though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love for he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of man. Then all of a sudden we see this another shift into the grief cycle from a place of hope back to a place of wrestling, which is a little confusing. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. And then Verse 37, 38, we get this emphasis on God's sovereignty and the fact that he has access to all things, that he has agency in the world. He says mm-hmm. in verse 38, is it not from the mouth of the most high that good and bad come? Hmm. Which is the thing that we as believers are sometimes terrified of because it yeah, brings Yeah, confused us, by. Right. Yes. Yes. Because it brings us back to the question, is God really good? Right. Because the Bible just told me that he sends bad things. Mm-hmm. So how could he be good? And I would say, yes, this whole book is telling us that he sends bad things. He uses whatever and whomever he wants to do his will. Nothing's beyond his reach. He he has everything at his disposal, the whole world, all of the people of the world, which puts us in this position where we have to decide if he's ultimately good. Mm -hmm. And does he actually have our best interest at heart? Right, right. And you even write in the commentary quote, Though he's not the author of evil, he will use the evil in the world. You know, and there's something both comforting and confusing about this thought. Confusing because we think, well, can't he just stop instead of using the evil? Can't he just stop whatever's going on? Mm -hmm. But comforting because we realize that even the worst evil we see or experience can be easily and does flip on its head and is used for the opposite of what it was intended. It's, It's used for our good. Yeah. Which you're right. It is. It's both comforting and it's comforting and it's scary at the same time. Yeah. Think about that kind of power. In verse 40, he says, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. So we've gone through, he's grieved. He's talked about all of God's power and sovereignty. And then he's, and then, and then all of a sudden it's like, he's talking to somebody else. Can you talk about who he's talking to and what's he want them to do? 
Yeah, it's interesting because so often we think about repentance just personally. What do I need to repent of? Mm. You know, but here he's saying he's not just talking about himself. He's calling the people to repentance. He's basically saying, hey, we got here by our choices, the communal weight of our choices. And we need to now come back as a group and repent Mm -hmm. and show real action of change. Mm -hmm. And that pathway back to the Lord is through repentance. I mean, that's what God designed repentance for. You know, it's designed for us to Mm -hmm. come to him, you know, and though that is how they connect, reconnect with him. And the narrator knows this and is leading them into that decision and behavior. You know, we do this at church on Sundays when we have the confession of sin. We say out loud a prayer of repentance collectively as a group. Mm -hmm. And then we privately take a moment to repent of our personal sin. And so this is important. This, this dynamic of communal repentance this is an important part of our connection with the Lord. And we will see, you know, in the text, um, we see that and we see that now in our lives. So we see it in both places. We know this is necessary for us as believers. Okay. So then what happens in 43? Because it feels like he's back to complaining. Like he, he, like you said, he's leading them in repentance, but then he says, 45, you have made us scum and garbage among the peoples. So <laughs> it would be easy right. to read this as, I guess, some sort of backsliding. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but it's not, it's not backsliding. You know, grief, we often think is linear. We do this, then we do this, and we do this, and that's not how it works. It goes up and down. And like I was saying earlier, grief is a cycle, just like other things. And it kind of, it just takes you on a ride up and down and back around again. And I think when you expect this and you're aware of this, this is the norm it makes more sense to you when you're in it instead of being like, well, why, why am I doing this? Or I, I must be backsliding or, you know, or when others you love are in this up and down cycle. Mm. So this cycle is not backsliding. It's more just how the human heart goes through the process of suffering up, down, believing, doubting, wrestling. That mm. is what we look like as humans in suffering. Mm. So then in 52, if we keep going, the author Then he starts to use his testimony about God helping him when he was in a desperate place to encourage Judah to ask them for help in their desperate place. It's like, it's almost like we could paraphrase. He's saying about God, Hey, you guys, he did this for me. He can do it for you. Right. So can you talk a little about what would this have done for the hearts of the people of Judah hearing it? And then in our context, what does it do for our own hearts when we hear testimonies like this? Yeah, I think he does it to remind them of something that's crucial to cling to when you are in a deep season of suffering, that God has acted in the past. Because in that moment, it does not feel like that, you know, which means that he will act in the future. And not only that, hearing that from someone who's experienced this lifts you out of that place of total despair and hopelessness Mm. and gives you hope. It's like lighting a candle in a really dark room. It's, it's also why things like the practice of Ebenezer's are so important, which was Israel erecting something physical to show them the deep truth of God's faithfulness. We can see, we can have Ebenezer's today or reminders and that we can literally hold them in our hands or look at them to help us connect to in the midst of suffering, to remind us, I'm not going to get left in this spot. God showed up before he'll show up again, mm-hmm. you know, and connecting with that and, and the importance of hearing other people in order to connect with that. Right. Cause it's hard to do sometimes in the moment, even in Absolutely. your own story. It's like, no, 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 that was true then, but I'm going to be in this dark spot for Right. Right. He's huh. not going to do it this time. Right. Right. That's what we tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So to hear other people talk about, wait, 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 
but listen to my history. Exactly. Listen to how he showed And up. then it stirs you up to be like, oh, wait, oh, yeah. Now uh-huh. I remember mine. Right. Right. Because our, our, our remembrance of him acting on our behalf is very short, yeah. you know? And so it's just like this reminder of, from others and how that is like a lifeline mm-hmm. for the sufferer. Yeah. It's like bread. It's like food. It's like mm-hmm. water, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of um, the first church that we were in when we were married had this mm. Thanksgiving service that was my favorite every year. And we would, you know, we'd sing some songs and do like liturgy, but there wasn't a sermon. Instead, it was kind of like open mic night. Mm. And there were mics in the in the aisles and on the stage. And whoever wanted to could go up and they were just going to give thanks for what God had done in the year mm. and from the year before. And what we got was all these stories mm. of God's faithfulness. Like he showed up here and he did this thing and he healed here or like uh, of delivering grace, but also sustaining grace. Like I have walked through this very hard thing and I'm still here. I still mm. believe I'm still, I still belong to him, even though I've walked through this terrible thing. How powerful. Yeah. And so that, you know, when you're, when you're in the middle of the pit and you hear all these people, oh. who you know, their stories talking about God's faithfulness, like, oh, hmm, right. Maybe right. he actually is faithful. Well, and it's such a picture like that Thanksgiving service of the importance of, you know, so often we do testimonies about how we became a Christian, uh-huh. but a lot of times we don't testify to each other of God's continual faithfulness to us once we yeah. are believers and this and how that's really crucial to keeping us, you know, encouraged in our faith. Yeah. Well, especially I would say in terms of his forgiveness, if you think about where these people are right, and what they've done, right? Like to to think about this guy saying to him, Hey, I mm-hmm. was in this place. You can repent. He's gonna, uh-huh. he's gonna respond with mercy. Right. Right. It's just that's huge. Big. Yeah. 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 So this seems like a good place to stop thinking about God's mercy. Um, and that wraps up chapter three of Lamentations. We hope you will join us next time as we study chapter four of Lamentations, which is study five in our book. Thanks as always for joining us for Addis Feet virtual teaching series and podcast on the Book of Limitations. See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on the At His Feet Studies podcast. As always, it is so fun to hang out with y'all. If you would like to buy one of our studies or see all the different studies we have, you can visit our website at www.athisfeetstudies.com.